My guest today is Grand Prairie City Councilman Greg Geisner. Councilman Geisner holds one of the at-large positions, which serves the entire city. Recently, he initiated the new Government 101 section on the City of Grand Prairie's website, a space that allows citizens to learn more about the basics of their city government. We talked today about the importance of learning more about how government works and about some of the obstacles a city goes through to initiate change. We also talk about growing up in the city of Grand Prairie, having mentors who encourage us to get involved, and what it's like to now be a councilman amongst constituents who raised you. Councilman Geisner is always so delightful to talk with, and he was so excited to have an opportunity to teach me more about how the city of Grand Prairie runs, and I know you will get a lot out of our conversation. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Jenna. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're here. Actually, I'm so glad that I'm here because I'm actually in your office. Well, me too, because I have listened to almost all of your podcasts and I've really enjoyed them all. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just not good enough to be oh, on your podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad you finally got to me. Yes, I'm so glad. And, you know, I kind of, the, the pandemic kind of hurt me a little bit because I much prefer to do these things in person. And I got sound equipment that I could take with me places. Right. And so I kind of, I think, mentally blocked doing more because it was Zoom, you know. And so I was like, now that we've kind of started going, okay, well, we can go out and be a little bit safer. I'm like, let's go do, let's talk now. <laughs> yeah, let's get together. Well, Zoom is such a great uh, tool. And yeah. so is Teams and all the different web meeting resources. Very efficient. But you're right. When you... When you don't have that face-to-face, there you remove that person, um, that personal feel to it. And, mm-hmm. and yes, it's efficient. Yes, you can get things done really quickly. And probably we'll realize that it's a great tool for so many meetings that we used to have to drive to, mm-hmm. have the meeting, and then drive back to your office or your daily routine. Yeah. Uh, but still, I love these in-person meetings. Oh, yeah. Um, are you guys doing in-person meetings yet? We are. City council? We're at City Council and our boards and commissions. We are back um, in, in-person meetings, our committee meetings. Uh, due to the numbers declining and the uh, additional COVID vaccines that are being distributed, mm. we're still monitoring and still uh, observing spacing everyone out and still asking folks to please wear their masks when we're in those meetings Mm -hmm. but of course we're spaced out distance wise enough that when we're speaking or uh, having a meeting we can remove those masks safely so yeah Mm -hmm. back in person i'm glad because that's another thing too that's really annoying zoom kind of makes things longer you know especially when you have that many people at one time It's difficult. The more that are having to join the Zoom, yes, it makes Mm -hmm. the meeting much more difficult. I'll tell you some of our committee meetings that uh, there's 10 or less people in, they've actually, for us, or at least from what I observed, uh, can be quicker and a little more efficient, and we can get to the point instead of going down different rabbit holes Mm -hmm. and trails that we maybe not necessarily need to. Uh, but I, I still enjoy the, the in-person meetings. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, we're actually in your office yes. here on Carrier. Um, that's right, Carrier 303. And um, I've gotten to see you a lot more because there's a title company that's in this office now yes. that's sharing this space. And so that's been nice. Well, I get to come see you. It, it's been a great addition. We, you know, we my folks bought this building, I think, about 28 years ago. Mm. Uh, and we... You know, it's our building, we occupy it, and we have so much unused space here, and uh, we thought, well, what a great opportunity uh, for someone to have a local, Just they just needed an office a few mm-hmm. days a week, 
and it worked out real well for us for the title company. So yes, it's yes. nice to have those folks here. Well, so you are tell tell everybody what place you're at with City Council, like I, your place. I'm place eight, uh -huh. and that is an at-large position, just like the mayor's position. It is it represents the entire city of Grand Prairie, so um, we're not in just a special single member district. So mm -hmm. we take phone calls and requests from all over the city. And I get a lot of questions. Do I get a lot of phone calls? Do I get a lot, a lot of emails, mm -hmm. requests? And yes, I do. My fair share, just like everybody else on the council. But I also, because I have a business that's open from 8.30 to 5.30 on a pretty heavily trafficked street, I get a lot of folks that just walk in and I don't mind that. I love it because even if I'm with a, an insurance client, I can wrap up with them, sit down and meet with a, with a citizen that maybe has a concern about uh, maybe potholes at their street or maybe trash didn't get picked up on a day they thought it was supposed to get picked up. Uh, maybe loose dogs running through their neighborhood. Just, just the day-to-day -day things that we work on at city council. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, one of the reasons, we're, and we're going to talk about this more today, but um, one of the reasons that I'm trying to talk to a lot of you guys is to shed some light on, like, the mechanics of actually being in city government, being an elected official. And, um, you know, I work alongside you guys. I spend time with y'all. I know how much time y'all spend doing the things that you do. But I don't think a lot of other people understand that. So, like, you run a business. You also own city council. So, like, what is your day-to-day -day like during the week? Uh, it's very busy. I, I like to joke around and say the insurance is my day job and the city council is my night job. Although <laughs> although the city council occurs all, all during the day and on into the night with our meetings sometimes, uh, we spend quite a bit of time. We have a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of required meetings that are open to the public and published so the public can come see what's going on in their city. And uh, some of those, those meetings are two to three hours each I'm particularly, I'm on the Finance and Budget Committee, and I've been there since I was first elected in 2009. Served with uh, Councilmember Georgia Clemson. And we appreciate that. Yes, <laughs> and uh, former council member who recently passed away, Jim Swafford, was our chair. And, and we, we dearly miss him and his guidance on the City Finance Committee. He was a mentor for you, wasn't he? Was he was a big mentor mm. for me. You know, I try to tell people, I've known, I knew Jim Swafford um, since I was probably in fourth or fifth grade. Uh, he and my dad actually have a relationship, a friendship that goes back to their days when they both lived in Arlington. Um, they knew each other from the Masonic Lodge over in Arlington, and they both ended up here in Grand Prairie. Like, they both like to say they got here as quick as they could. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and, and my mom worked at, uh, for my grandfather at Grand Prairie State Bank, the old Grand Prairie State Bank that is now our municipal court building. And when they sold that bank, uh, a lot of changes went on in the banking industry and my mom was uh, looking for a different opportunity and Jim Swafford was president of Republic Bank at the time before it became Nations Bank and eventually Bank of America and he hired my mom and my mom actually worked for Jim for several years before she and my dad left their prior professions and started this insurance agency nearly 32 years ago. Your mom's right around the corner, She's too. She's right up front. You know, that, <laughs> I, I've worked with my parents. For, they've been in business coming up this August 32 years, and I'll have been with them 27 as of this August. Wow. So it is truly a family business. Um, I'm not sure I'd have it any other way. It's been a real joy and pleasure. Yes, there's some, some uh, headaches running your own business from time to time, but it does give me the freedom mm -hmm. to work with my clients in our insurance office 
but also dedicate a lot of my time to the city council, uh, finance and government committee meetings, Grand Prairie Housing and Finance Corporation meetings, uh, uh, Sports Corporation, which monitors and controls the Lone Star Park operations. And also prior to serving on the council, uh, prior chairman mm -hmm. of the Chamber of Commerce, uh, served as a government legislator. You were? Uh, yes. Oh, I, was, I didn't know that. I was chairman, that little uh, gavel up on the wall oh. was 2004. <laughs> and prior to that, I was government and legislative chair for the chamber and also chairman of the Chamber City Partnership, uh, past president of the Metro Rotary Club. So it get, has given me the opportunity to give back to my community and service to those different organizations and different charitable boards, charitable boards like Children First. Mm -hmm. uh, so proud of my mom, you know, several years ago, she had got wind of a family that was living, I believe in their car uh, while their child was going through uh, Grand Prairie School System. And uh, one of the employees at uh, GPISD was uh, in a department that helped try to find families some assistance and maybe some job guidance and some maybe some government assistance if they needed it to bridge a gap and she said we're not going to have that not in my town and she and Georgia Clemson and Lila Thorne and Kim Thorne uh, and several other people got together and they created Lifeline for Families and that has that has really been a, a benefit to some some of those folks in need and they didn't look at it as just a charity where we just hand you some money and, and wish you goodbye, good luck. They helped them, the parents, get training. They helped the parents get reestablished, helped the parents pull themselves up by their bootstraps, all while giving the child the ability to have a safe, comfortable home as a more normalized environment so that child could focus on their education and not be worried about sleeping in a car sleeping in different hotels from night to night, not knowing if they were going to get kicked out or, or be in an unsafe situation. So I think the citizens of Grand Prairie saw that it was a benefit and have really come out to support. So I'm so, so proud of my mom and all those that helped start that charity. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good point that I hadn't even thought about talking to you about, but we kind of will because it kind of fits in, and I'll stick with me fix how it fits into government finance. The, you, you guys run a budget, and y'all um, disperse those funds according to the budget. Correct. And um, there are, the, the way that Grand Prairie does it, and I don't know if other cities do the same thing, is there's actually a part of the city government, the Housing and Community Improvement Commission, that actually oversees some of the federal grants that you get um, that can be dispersed to some of these local nonprofit organizations. And so the commission that I sat on um, would hear from the nonprofits and you know uh, Lifeline and Children First and all these um, great Grand Prairie organizations would come and present what they did and how they were handling all that money and then we would decide of this amount of dollars how much did each of them get and what that did was I don't know who decided to do it this way but there is a partnership that exists between the needs of the city how much the government can address all those needs individually and the intermediary, which is the nonprofit, which can really see the needs and they can also make a dollar go really, really far. So I think that when I, when I, that partnership of the city government and nonprofits and making sure that they're getting their needs met so that we, you can meet the city. Would you say that that is a very 
important relationship within a city. <laughs> it, it is because the health and well-being of our citizens, regardless of their economic status, is very important and vital to our city. It does several things. First of all, it helps move money through the economy. Everybody needs money moving through the economy. Secondly, it produces, hopefully, children who are well-educated, who can contribute to the economy when they reach those, those ages and are able to do so. But also helps keep crime statistics lower. Mm. You've got folks that aren't desperate. Uh, you've got folks that have a place to live, a, a good safe roof over their head. They've got food to feed their families. They've got jobs. Uh, they may be on a career path that may just be a stepping stone job while they further their own education to help better themselves. But we always reach down, lend a helping hand to our community members and figure out a way to help our fellow man. And that, that is so very important. It makes the town better. Oh, 100%. And I think that it helps the budgets be a little less burdened. It does. It yeah. does because we can distribute those funds directly to those charitable organizations. And now, just so we're clear, that y'all do not fund an entire budget for an entire nonprofit. This is just Correct. a very small amount of, Correct. and then they go out and fund fundraising and other things as well. Correct, just to help them potentially bridge gaps, maybe cover some administrative costs, costs um, through things like community development block grants. So it helps those charities do the job that they were set up to do. So they're not struggling trying to disperse those funds and help those families. And these are, in the way that the way that we did it is these are Grand Prairie focused organizations. Correct. These are not like, you know, a, a national organization. I mean, unless that national organization has a local chapter that only services Grand Prairie community. And it's very specific. Like you were talking about Lifeline, that serves children within the Grand Prairie ISD school that are that are enrolled in the district. That's correct. That are experiencing homelessness. It's not we have another charity or nonprofit um, that Tammy Chan's runs that addresses the homeless other people struggling with that. Correct. Yeah. It's I think it's a very interesting um, dynamic and I think it's Oh, something that I don't know that other cities do very well, but we do that pretty well. We do that very well. You know, all I can say, the only experience I, I have is here at Grand Prairie serving in the municipal government. I'm not sure I'd want to do this in another town. <laughs> I think we have a very, very unique reputation of still as we're growing to 100,000 plus people, we still have a great small town community feel. Uh, folks that work for the city are some of the best of the best, highly educated. I mean, my goodness, we even have a, someone with a doctorate degree running our city landfill and our sanitation operations. Oh, she so, is on my, she is on my she list. Yes. is fantastic. And most of our employees, all of our employees are the best of the best. Um, you know, we still are able to help our citizens. We want to do what we can to make this a better community and the better we all are mm -hmm. the better our whole town can be yeah i agree and i think that um and this is something i talk about a lot it's we have a very geographically long city challenging at times yes yes and it's and it's hard i think for people because it can be very very separated out in the north south mid you know and maybe you don't go to the north side of town you don't go to the south side of town um, and that's a challenge in keeping the citizens informed on the things that are going on on the opposite ends and keeping us together as a community. So that's one of the reasons that I wanted to kind of introduce a podcast where people got to know people. 
Um, you know, the other thing too is, is just kind of reducing the intimidation factor that a lot of citizens probably feel about either getting involved in nonprofits and, and volunteering, but also talking to your local city government officials. So, you know, what would you tell people if they felt intimidated about calling you guys? Don't. <laughs> Don't feel intimidated because more than likely you will see us at your local grocery store or at the gas pump filling up. You'll see us out in the front yard mowing our yard or pulling weeds in the flower beds. We're, we are you. You are us. Just because we maybe have a little more time to coordinate our schedule where we do have the ability to serve, and so many people these days don't. They've got a busy work schedule. They've got a busy family schedule. Uh, the kids have sports or homework. It's difficult for folks to find that time, and quite frankly, they're just mentally and physically exhausted. I get that. I'm fortunate enough that my business allows me to fluctuate. I can you know, pretty much work from anywhere, but I have an office. And it gives me that freedom to have those meetings at City Hall. Uh, How often do you have them? Uh, we have it, the, the scheduled meetings. Uh, we have a finance and government committee meeting once a month, unless we need a special called meeting, uh, which is very rare. Uh, then we have a, the first Tuesday and the third Tuesday of every month is, a, is the called city council meeting, unless we need a special meeting for a particular project or development project that needs to make some quick decisions on. Uh, before a certain time frame. So at least we will have at least a minimum of three to four meetings a month. Uh, those will each last a couple hours each, sometimes longer depending on the length of the agenda and or the topics that we're discussing and or the number of folks that have come out to make citizen comments. Um, we appreciate those citizen comments and, and the mayor always likes to point this out. At the very end, we have a, a point of citizen comments and I don't want people to, to think we're being rude. At the very end, a citizen can come up and speak for five minutes. On, Thank you for addressing this because I think this is a mechanics thing of an is, open meeting. And how, is. yes, go ahead, please. You can come up and speak because you didn't like the fact that it rained today. But since your topic is not on the city agenda, we cannot address your concern. Now, it may be something the fact that you've got a car that has loud pipes and it's racing up and down the street, what can we do about it? Uh, maybe a neighbor that is not repairing a fence that's fallen down in, the, in a right of way, whatever topic. And what we can do at that point is, is help you get in touch with the right city department, but we can't really address your topic because it's not a, a point on the agenda. So. Well, you would have a meeting that would last like 24 hours. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, we would. But I think that, it, okay, this is, this, is, this is something that's important because Open Meetings Acts is what, um, what basically governs all, when y'all have meetings, city, any, any type of government, it's, there are certain regulations that y'all are required to do that you have to document, you have to keep certain types of minutes, you have to, uh, you can't respond to, to, just like you said, you can't respond. Uh, only in the citizen only in the city. comment part. That's yeah, if correct. They're, if they're there speaking on a particular case right. on the agenda, such as maybe an apartment development and they don't like it, sure, come on up, we can, we can have a conversation back and forth. Right, but what that, the open comments gets it on the record and correct. then it becomes a minutes. You, so now it's on the official city record that then goes into people can go back and look to see who's talked on different topics. Correct. So yet while I can call you on a Tuesday afternoon and say, Greg, I want to talk to you about my pothole that's out in front of my house. Yes. 
you can address that with me and talk to me and say, well, we can look into that or whatever, but that's not on this, the official city document. Good point. Yeah. And so, so let's say that we go back and we can look at a pattern and say, well, a bunch of people are talking about this over the minutes in the last, maybe we need to address this and it's not just a personal issue. So I would encourage people that if you do have something that to use that open meetings, because you guys aren't just sitting there getting, y'all might sit there and get yelled at, but you're just listening because you want to know. We need your input. That's exactly right. But you also need to get it on the record. Yes. And I think that's an important point. It is. The, the mayor says this all the time, and I couldn't agree more. We can't do this without the citizens. We need the citizen feedback. We need the citizen comment. And we also need the citizens, if they can spare some time to volunteer for the numerous boards and commissions, mm. just as an example. Um, you know, you may see us at a council meeting and you may feel that a particular case was not discussed enough, but I can assure you that before we ever heard that case at the council level, it was reviewed quite possibly 30 to 60 days prior in an open meeting that is also recorded at either a finance and government committee, public safety committee, uh, development review committee, those items were discussed at a committee level, then presented to either planning and zoning or park board, uh, or presented to the rest of the council. So we've reviewed this thing probably about six to seven times before we actually get to the point of voting on something. I do have a lot of folks that will ask me, well, this property on this and, this and such corner and streets being someone's building there, what is that? And I'll have to re I'll have to apologize and say, let me go back and check my cheat sheet, which I try to keep in my head, but I always <laughs> have to keep some notes because we could have approved a development that will, you know, we could have approved that a year, year and a half ago. Oh, right. So I don't always keep, I keep the current stuff in my head. And after about six, seven months, it, it may get put in the filing cabinet. Right. I'll, I'll have to go and pull it out. Right. Um, I'm glad you brought up boards and commissions. I'm going to put this in terms maybe that's relevant to something going on right now. So the, the boards and commissions that exist within a city are the people that serve in those commissions and boards are citizens that are appointed by Correct. city council members. That includes the mayor because he's considered an at-large member. And you are, you appoint citizens that are within your district. Your Correct. And so these are, um, citizen, citizen, um, supported committees or their city committees that are that citizens are a part of on a, the state has the same committees and boards they have the same type of setup that oversees different states so everything that happened as an example with the electric with the electric stuff that happened there was an actual energy board that served mm -hmm. over that on a state level so to put it in terms of smaller we have the same kind of setup and those boards are designed to help to help educate our city officials who are completely incapable of knowing how every single citizen feels in the entire city at all points in time. Correct. That is why those boards and committees exist. So it, that, do you have a lot of people that serve on those or do you always need people? We always need people. Uh, you know, we do have them all fill all the positions. Some are more popular than others, such as the planning and zoning, mm -hmm. parks board, we have a commission on aging. Uh, keep Grand Prairie beautiful board. We used to have an airport board, but uh, the operations at the airport are so concise that uh, we realized that there wasn't enough interest in, in kind of municipal aviation and it was difficult to find anybody to serve on that board that had an interest in it. 
So those, any operations that go on at our municipal airport come now to both the public safety and the finance and government committee. Mm -hmm. So two committees are actually reviewing that, that operations. Uh, but yes, we're always asking folks, please, if you, if you have a concern about your city, you want to help be part of the direction we're going, you want to help lead and guide in the direction we're going, please take a look at the boards and commissions. Uh, all of us on the council will either have uh, appointments that we can make from the district we represent, or like the three of us that are at large, the mayor, the place seven, and the place I serve in, place eight, we can report a point to you from any portion of the city because we represent the entire city. Yeah, that's, and I think that that's, um, th that's something that, when I tell people to serve on these boards and commissions, just, I, you, basically what happens is there goes out and there says, okay, now we're going to fill these spots that are coming open because there's terms on all these boards and commissions, Correct. just like there's terms for a city council person. Um, and so, they go out and they say, put your top three that you'd be interested in. Because yeah. we don't know if that one that you like has anybody available, but if you're interested, do it. I would tell people, come at it from a curiosity perspective that you're going to learn something new about how your city government works. And if you are a person that whoever would think, I might want to run for an elected official one day, these are great training opportunities to learn more. Because yeah. I have seen people that have run for mayor of different cities, that have never once been a part of these and have no idea how anything works. And that's fine. Being involved is great. But these city these are very important. And like the Planning and Zoning Commission is a very important commission. It is. And they have a lot of ability to influence a lot of decision making. It is. Um, so these, these boards and commissions are nothing to shake a stick at. <laughs> no, and they have to go through the same Texas Ethics Commission training on mm. open meetings requirements. Uh, they, they follow the same Roberts Rules of Orders that we do as a council, and their vote matters. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. A developer could request a zoning change on a particular piece of property, and if the Planning and Zoning Commission denies it, the developer has two options. He can allow the denial to stand and leave the zoning as it is and try to develop it the way it's designed to be developed, or the developer can appeal, and that appeal has to come next to the city council. So yes, we need that guidance from those committees to help provide us with the information that the citizens are wanting and what the uh, folks involved are wanting so we can be clear and concise on, on what's going on in the city. Yeah, and I help, you kind of, you talked about your mom and, and Lifeline and she saw a need, right? This is really important and I think for citizens to understand that the reason something doesn't exist could possibly be that the people in our government just don't know it's, it's a need. Sure. You can assume that other people have talked about it and you can assume that it's been brought before the, but, but it could be something that's never even been considered. So that's why it's really important that I, I want to, I want people to understand if you see a need, communicate that need and know who your city councilman is and or woman and know who your local school board member is. Know, learn who all of your local people are that you can call and go, hey, by the way, this is, I see this. And then so that we can help fill those needs where y'all can't see them all the time. Oh, you're so correct on that. I mean, you've got the mayor, you've got the two at-large positions, and then you will have your district council member wherever you live in the city. So you've got an opportunity to get a hold of four people that will listen to you and try to help maybe push an agenda forward for you or discuss an item with you. Um, 
And yeah, if you feel a, see a need that needs filling, please let somebody know at a local charitable organization, call one of us at the city or email us. And we'll, and if we're at the city is not the appropriate avenue, mm -hmm. we can at least help you point you in the right direction. Right, and it cannot be overstated that we are very spoiled in the city because we have a mayor who pays very close attention to social media and people, and he is very sensitive to people's comments. That is very abnormal. I cannot overstate that enough. That is not how normal mayors interact with their citizens, and we're very lucky. <laughs> well, and, and I think it's important that he's so very good at it. Uh, Georgia Clemson is so very good at it. I'm trying to get better at it. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. It, how? You, yeah. It, it, it's juggling of your own time. You know, we all. a lot of us come from a customer service-oriented business. I particularly do in an insurance business. I've got to make sure I give the best service possible to my client. Uh, so I think we all feel that within our city. Whatever, whatever position I'm either serving in or working in or rolling up my sleeve to work alongside, I'm gonna provide the best customer service possible to that individual who's asking for my help. And so yeah, we want people to know that we're constantly working, uh, not just having meetings to have meetings, we're looking at the direction and the guidance of the city and uh, we will put our best customer service efforts in, in play when, when we're trying to solve a problem. You know, I can't help but wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that so many of the people that, have, that are a part of our city government have grown up in this town and then their parents grew up in this town. Yeah. So like, and that's not, that is not to say that someone that does not come from this city cannot serve in a place. Well, that is because they have their... Outsiders have their place too. They see things that other that insiders can't see, so to speak. Citizen, when I say insiders, I mean my parents grew up here. I grew up here. My grandparents grew up here. So it's like these are kind of a blind spot, if you will. But when you're on social media and all of your constituents are also your past teachers and your yeah. past church members and and all this, you know, it makes it a little bit easier to stay more in tune, I would it imagine. Does. It keeps you on your toes, <laughs> keeps you out of trouble. You know, there was I, t I told a friend of mine one time, I said there was not one year one year of school in Grand Prairie ISD that one of my teachers either did not go to school with my own mom, one of my aunts or uncles, <laughs> or my grandfather was their banker, or my uncle was their doctor, or my dad, prior involvement in the old Southland funeral home, they ran the ambulance service as mm. well, back before cities did the ambulance service. Mm. That, you know, hey, your, your dad sent the ambulance out and picked up my husband and he's alive because, you know, of his heart attack because the ambulance was able to get him to the hospital in time. So. I once I told somebody one time I had recently met them and I knew the name sounded familiar. It was a name I'd grown up hearing. They said, "I've never met you. I don't know you, but I know who you belong to." <laughs> so I said, "That was a perfect way to describe it. I don't know you, but I know who you belong to." Um, so you and I and several people, I love it when our Grand Prairie citizens grow up here. Maybe they go off to college. Maybe they go off to a job career from you know for a few years and they realize I miss home. And that's what we want to establish. Some place that you feel home, you feel proud of the city, you feel proud of what the city's doing, what it has to offer, the amenities, just the opportunities that are here. And, and we're trying to help provide those opportunities. Yeah. Is it weird to now be the city councilman over yeah, like yes. your first grade teacher or oh whatever? Goodness, you know, I still have to <laughs> catch myself sometime when I meet one instead of calling them, you know, Mrs. Shouse or Mrs., you know, <laughs> 
uh, try to call them by Mrs. Murphy or one of their last names that they're that we're all adults now and they they don't mind if I call them by their first name because I'm beyond that area and I sometimes especially when I was a newly elected council member sitting in a meeting with some of these folks and I tell you it gets also <laughs> I'm, I'm the mayor's alternate on regional transportation council and that is a over at the North Central Texas Council of Governments in Arlington and that council just like a city council determines where all federal dollars get spent for transportation. So you've got the mayors and or city council members from Fort Worth, Dallas, Arlington, Irving, Plano, Frisco, you know, Denton, the county judges, uh, directors from the DFW Airport Board. And I'm sitting in this meeting with all these, in my mind, <laughs> big shots that I see on the news from time to time thinking, how they let this Grand Prairie kid in this meeting, what am I doing here? Like a kid getting invited to the to the big kids table at the at Thanksgiving dinner. So yeah, it, it took a little while to get over that feeling, but yeah, you're right. That's that's I, I have the same exact feeling sometimes because my parents were teachers in this town. I actually yesterday I went and interviewed Emily Lyles, um, who's school board trustee, and of course her father-in-law's one of them. Right. Her, I've known her dad brought her father-in-law Ronnie Lyles forever, and yes, her brother-in-law Steve Lyles and I grew up with each other and friends forever. Uh, and. But I had the same experience because my parents were both educators in Grand Prairie ISD. So I walked in and someone goes, do you belong to, are you part of the PCORs? And I there said, you go. that's you yeah, my parents. Yes, exactly. I get that all the time. So I know exactly how you feel. But um, I want to go back to, I'm going to go back to the Transportation Council in a second because sure. I want to ask you a question about that. But I wanted, <laughs> along these same lines, um, so you, you were raised in this town. You had a lot of nurturing about people that wanted you to come up and, and serve and, and be the next generation that kind of did that. And you as a person that was raised here and your, your family has roots here. I interviewed, I was telling you, I interviewed Martin um, Cabarello over at um, Bonaire. Great guy. He, great guy. He was not from here. He moved here when he was five. Um, and, but he had... Cal, who was the owner of Bon Air, and Janine Walker, that um, was his uh, daughter, correct? And so they were very plugged in. And they really, when Martin got hired there when he was a young, recent high school graduate, they really plugged him into the city government. And I think that for someone that might not have known all these people ahead of time, it can be pretty intimidating. Understood. Yeah, and, it can be. Yeah, and so... Um, thankfully he is a person who has, even though he's been intimidated, even though he might be shy, even though he might feel like he doesn't belong in that group, he has still had an open mind about going into things like a chamber of commerce meeting that he's never been a part of before. And I just, but, but Cal really nurtured that civic duty side of him. That's like, look, you, we are all part of a community together. It's up to you and us to continue to, right. to create and cultivate those relationships. So I think that that's important because everybody has a place just because you weren't raised here. Don't, just like you were intimidated, somebody else might be intimidated that they have no clue who any of these people are. It's kind of interesting. Right. I, I may have known some of the names of those people in the meetings and may have felt intimidated like I was a little kid at the wrong table. Right. But I understand Martin's uh, hesitancy. Yeah. Maybe didn't have the history, maybe didn't know the mm -hmm. names of the families that have come before and served. You know, I grew up, that was the example that was set for me. Uh -huh. I knew nothing else. Uh, you had to be involved in the community in which you served and which allowed you to make a living with whatever business you were in, whether it be banking or the funeral service or a, a private practice family physician, my Uncle Chuck, Dell, Dr. Dell. Uh, 
we had to give back to the community. Uh, it was part of our duty to give back to the community. And uh, Cal Brundrett, there's not a better man on this face of this earth. God rest his soul. Missy, uh, he was, uh, he was the compliment I could pay to him was the highest compliment I ever heard my grandfather pay mm. to somebody, which was, he would tell me, he's a gentleman and a scholar. Mm. And I knew that my grandfather had the highest respect for that person if he introduced me and later on he told me that's how he felt about the guy. And that's what Cal was. And, you know, he carried that tradition on through Janine Walker, his daughter. And mm -hmm. that Bonaire family has just given so much back. You know, I've been up at midnight with next to Janine with our sleeves rolled up and the rest of our Rotary Club that mm. you were a member of putting together the 10k run for alzheimer's and our local grand prairie cherries we've been out there scrubbing dishes setting out cones for the 10k run just everything we had to do to make sure we pulled it off and could raise funds for the city or for the city charities so yeah it, it can be very intimidating when you're first new but i tell you what grand prairie is so welcoming so mm -hmm. so loving all you got to do is show up that is very true and offer to help and yep. volunteer and not just do it with lip service you're part of the family. I 100% agree. You will work and you will volunteer. If you're willing to do that and help us help other people, then you're part of the family. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you've been here two days or 30 years. It's, it goes to, I think it speaks to, um, you know, cultivating um, a civic duty mentality, but also cultivating um, an environment and atmosphere about mentorship with the people coming below us. And, you know, as, as we were sitting here, Sandy Morrison just walked by. Yes. She's going to listen, but she the is the mother of another city councilman member. Mentor here in <laughs> and, you know, I see her, I see Angela, I see, you know, you talk about Jim Swafford. I would have loved to have talked to him and got his um, oh. story down. And I'm sad that I didn't. Um, but these are the people that for us, we have, they give us the confidence or maybe the um, idea to insert ourselves in, more into our communities. So I can't say enough how important mentorship is. And Cal would do, have done the same thing, you know, did the same thing for Martin. And um, so, you know, I think that's important to remember. It is. You take somebody like Cal or Jim Swafford uh, that becomes kind of a mentor to a new person or a young person or they see something in the, you that you may not see in yourselves and they will just sometimes grab you. They don't give you a choice. They say, you're going to do this. Mm. And you don't have the heart to tell them no. <laughs> and you figure out the way not to disappoint them and you fill in the shoes or fill in the gaps where you're asked to and you realize, maybe I do have a little bit to offer. Maybe I can help a little bit. Yep. Uh, because they saw something in you. you we need to also make sure we're continuing that tradition. Um, I had an opportunity to meet a young man who was uh, running for a political office and uh, uh, you know I, I told him I said well you know even if you don't win it's your mm -hmm. first time you've not ever really been involved in anything your name's not well known in town not that it has to be mm -hmm. but I said I don't want you to get discouraged I want you to also consider other ways you mm -hmm. can give back to your community such as volunteering for a local charitable board or serving in one of our community, our city commissions or boards, mm -hmm. because we need those young active voices because eventually all of us are gonna need replacements. I, yeah. hope, I hope it's a long time <laughs> before I need a replacement in terms of age and health and all that good stuff, but yep. uh, everybody needs to eventually step up. You know, talking to our new former retired 
Police Chief Steve Dye and our new uh, Deputy City Manager and Chief Operating Officer, he said, something I never told you, when you first hired me as Police Chief here in Grand Prairie, I immediately began to look for my replacement. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, six, seven years, if either something happened to me, I moved on to greener pastures, or I simply wanted to retire, I knew that one day if I left this position, I would have somebody waiting in the waiting in the ring, wings, properly trained, ready to go, that y'all would have the same confidence in as you had in me. And he did that. Uh, and we're so thankful that we were able to keep him and move him into the city manager's uh, office. Uh, he's been a great addition to our city management staff. Um, but it, it's helping to put the right, it, Tom Hart really likes to say this, it's not only putting the right people on the bus, it's putting the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. on the bus. And I thought, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Trying to help them find and discover their own hidden talents or maybe right. their own benefits. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And Cole and I will talk, Cole Humphreys is, you know, another city councilman that he and I are friends and we talk a lot. And he, he goes, I said, how did you get into this? And he goes, I showed up at a Grand Prairie High School alumni meeting one night. And by the next meeting, I was elected president because whoever was there didn't want to do it the next year. That's right. And yeah, and then by serving on that, then somebody saw him doing something else. He's like, I literally just showed up. And so that's that's happened to me. I've shown up at like the Grand Prairie Women's Club, for example, and they're like, "Would you like to be on the board that does the fundraising for the?" And I, and because I'm naive, I'm like, "Sure, that sounds fun." Sure, I'll give a hand. And they're like, "We got another one," yeah. you know. You had no idea what you were stepping into. I know. So the fear sometimes I think of people is nobody needs me, but I also think the fear is they might need you immediately and yes so it's like oh do i really want to commit to all that and uh so for anybody out there just realize that you your talents and your specific unique gifts can be very very helpful and so you don't beneficial. even know that you don't even know what that even uh, might mean but um i want to go back to uh, the transportation council because we okay. have a railroad that goes through the midi middle of our city mm -hmm. um and you know the tra so talk about the transportation council and what it oversees and we'll do that first sure regional transportation council determines where the federal dollars are going to be spent for roads and highways mm -hmm. um, they can assist with uh projects. Uh, a big example was the one in, in the city of Grand Prairie. 161 was uh, funding for, to get that completed was uh, on the precipice. It was dangerously close to not getting funded in several legislative sessions ago. Well, they were able to work out a, a contract deal where uh, it is a state highway once you get past 183, but the TxDOT didn't have the funds to complete it. They were able to work out a construction contract deal where TxDOT built it and North Texas Tollway Authority were able to pay the debt back with the tolls it collected. So in terms of mass transit, we do have some, uh, we do a lot of studies in mass transit. Uh, don't control DART or the T over in Fort Worth, uh, but we are heavily involved with operations and trying to get that get those up and running and look for different ways that we can help with mass transit. Um, Michael Morris, the um, president or director of Regional Transportation Council, I, I think he's a very intelligent man. 
I think he said we've also got to stop looking at rails and hard buildings as the only way to get people moving around. Mm. There's, there's new ways to do it, not just Uber and Lyft. Arlington has just signed up uh, a, a ride-sharing program called VIA uh-huh. uh, that maybe it's something we need to look into for the future. Um, it gives people, now it's carpooling, it's not just your own private Uber or private Lyft, but it gives people going from point A to point B and several people going from point A to point B ability to ride share together and get them moving within the city of, of Arlington. Grand Prairie and Arlington are not part of any type of mass transit. The citizens, I don't know when Arlington voted against it, but the citizens of Grand Prairie I believe voted against joining DART back mm-hmm. in the late 70s, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the citizens voting against that gave us the ability to use one of the two cents and the sales tax to fund things like Lone Star Park, mm-hmm. the Summit, the Police Building, Epic Waters, and Epic Recreation, and the Air Hog Stadium. Um, had we been a member of DART, we still may not have any type of rail service because those rails run in, in Grand Prairie or Union Pacific lines, not DART lines. Mm-hmm. Those are privately held by Union Pacific. Um, we still may not have any public transportation. Maybe if we were lucky and had paid into it millions, quite possibly billions by this time, we might have a bus service once or twice a day, once or twice mm-hmm. a week. So we feel like with the ability that we've been able to create those other uh, projects, such as Lone Star Park, we've created a great quality of life to the city. And I'll give you something that, uh, I'll tell you a piece of information a lot of people may not know. Uh, Grand Prix Sports Facilities Development Corporation was the corporation that was established to build Lone Star Park, run it, and then we hired an operator where that operator sold. And then that, uh, that second operator, um, had some financial difficulties with their other business. So Global Gaming, who owns Windstar up in Oklahoma, uh, is now the operator and has been for quite some time. I mm. think around 2009, 2010, Global Gaming takeover. But the good news I want to tell you about Grand Prairie Sports Corp is we typically do a million dollar project back to the city because Global Gaming pays rent to Grand Prairie Sports Corp. And since the building at Lone Star Park is paid off, Sports Corp has put in to the city approximately 22 million back to the city that did not come out of the general fund mm. and was not funded by property tax or sales tax. So we've built libraries, we've built fire stations, we've bought fire trucks, uh, we've renovated City Hall with those funds that were generated from, uh, from the economic revenue from the rent from, from Lone Star Park operations. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't we have a commission that oversees that specifically? Sports Corp? Yes. Yes, I'm on the Sports Corp as well. Yes. Um, I was the construction committee chairman. Mm-hmm. So any updates, renovations, any upkeep of Lone Star Park, we partnered with uh, Global Gaming and they had to take care of their portion and we helped assist them in some funding of that. Uh, now I'm the chairman of, since Mr. Swafford passed away, I'm now the chairman of the Finance Committee for Sports Corp. Mm, so that's that's another committee and board that you can be on that I didn't even know existed, right. to be honest. By the, by the corporation standards, the mayor has to be the president. Mm. And then it must have at least three council members on it, and then the rest are made up of private citizens that huh. anybody can submit an application to be appointed to interesting um so going back to um the railroads and and this is something that i found interesting and i didn't even think about this 
Um, we were talking to some people running for city council in Kennedale. Okay, you don't think about this as a citizen. This is just also interesting. There, they have a railroad that runs through the middle, and we forget that railroads still have a lot of power in they this have state. Immense <laughs> they power. do. They do. Um, once that exists, to change things within a railroad system is near impossible. I would say. Um, so anyway, Kennedale has this railroad that runs through the middle of town. The south side of town has not been developed because there's not a way for, like, if there's a train mm -hmm. and there's emergency personnel that are trying to get to the other side of the track, they, there's not really a fast way they could get hung up and it could be a problem. So they haven't really pushed a whole lot of development down there. So now they're having, and they, they're, they're, no, you can't divert a railroad, so mm -hmm. what are you going to do? So they had to get a federal grant to build a bridge to go over the top of the railroad, and that's a big thing. And we don't think about those little bitty one thing that could create an entire problem for the infrastructure of a city. So the Railroad Commission, talk about that because we have that. in the. There's nothing we can do to change that. <laughs> no, well, railroads have immense power. Mm -hmm. And you don't do anything over or under or near mm -hmm. a railroad in their property without their express permission. Uh, 161. I was not on the council when it was in planning and when it was getting developed, but I had heard stories that uh, it was held up a little bit because at one point Union Pacific, the railroad that owns the land, said, we want you to go over the tracks. And then they changed their mind and said, no, nah, we want you to go under the tracks. And it was difficult to get them off a of high center and get them to finally make a decision and sign off on it and all the engineering that had to go through it. We're fortunate that I think now, I think it was the best design plan to go under the railroad tracks. Yeah, it's a little, when you've got railroads coming from west to the east or vice mm -hmm. versa, it does slow some traffic down on Main Street, but at least we've got... There's ways to get around it. There's ways to get around mm -hmm. it. You've got the 1382, which is still a state highway. Thankfully, TxDOT built that bridge mm -hmm. over the railroad track, and the city did not have to fund that. And then you still have the old carrier underpass. Carrier Parkway yep. past. So at least we've got those three, uh, the ability to get or through or under or over the railroad, even if they've stopped. Yeah. Uh, and they have a right to stop. They can block yeah. intersections. I yeah. think there's a certain time limit, but they have so much immense power. That they do. Cities don't really do anything without their permission right. on their land, which is their railroad, their railroad beds, and you don't do anything under or over their tracks without their permission. That's so interesting. And you bring up another point, which is highways that go through the middle of town, because not only do we have a railroad, but we also have a highway that runs parallel to it, which is Main Street. Yeah. And um, I always bring this up because people don't, people don't think about it being a highway because you only go 35 miles an hour through the middle of town. But that's also another interesting um, thing that, that could keep it's kind of an invisible um, barrier obstacle that a lot of people don't pay attention to when it's like, why don't you just make it into a square? And why don't you just do that? Well, it's a highway. <laughs> it is. It's the old Bankhead Highway. And before the international or the interstate highways were developed by President Eisenhower, uh, you know, he came back from World War II and saw what Germany and some of those European people, uh, cities and towns had done with the big massive highways. And he knew what a benefit that would be should America have a chance, ever ever have a need to move mass people or mass mm -hmm. military equipment? Anyway, long story short, uh, Bankhead Highway went from the East Coast to the West Coast. 
Really? Yeah. yeah. You you had to go through all these little towns. Of course, you know, cars back then didn't go more than 40, 50 miles an hour. I just so, assumed that they connected Dallas to Fort Worth. No, I think it went all the way, at least went all the way to the East Coast. You'd have to check with some folks at the wow. Grand Prairie Historical Organization. But it's called the old Highway 80, you know, Bankville yeah. Highway. Uh, but what we're doing right now is we've got a turn back project going with TxDOT. Once mm -hmm. again, Bankhead Highway, TxDOT's involved. Uh, where we've, Main Street is four lanes, two east, two west, to part of our revitalization of downtown Main Street, creating walkability, encouraging and attracting more shops and restaurants and retail, and hopefully very nicely done, maybe some loft style apartments, maybe even have some age restrictions on them, 55 plus type of lock and leave condominiums and things of that nature. TxDOT is assisting us with the construction. Dallas County is assisting with this instruct with the construction on a turn back project, which will take Main Street from four lanes down to two, one east going going east, one going west, to create that walkability. The majority of traffic, especially big truck traffic, will be diverted down to Jefferson. So you'll give people more along the lines of that Bishop Arts Field, where you mm. feel comfortable crossing the street to go from a shop to a restaurant, or vice versa. Um, that's so cool it and it, this is not something that y'all just started talking no, it, about it takes a while <laughs> yeah you know, it I does. was in a region I was in a southeast transportation meeting with Mayor Williams over Jeff Williams over in Arlington and I had uh, reported that we were in the process of getting the ball rolling for that and that's been two or three years ago wow and he looked at me in the eye and he said I'm interested in that yeah because Arlington's got some revitalization mm -hmm. that they're looking on too and that highway 80 goes its division and it mm -hmm. runs right in through Arlington yep and we're working together with Arlington and Tarrant County and Dallas County for the international corridor along Pioneer Parkway 303 you know you have Matthew Lowe's what is international what does that mean it's an it's called the international highway because of the cultural diversity of our Arlington and Grand Prairie and Dallas and Fort Worth we want to celebrate that diversity You've got Asia, uh, Matthew Lowe's Asia mm -hmm. Times Square. He's on my list. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Councilmember Delboski is working through his portions of 303 for our Latino culture. Mm -hmm. And that will help spur some new development, revitalization, mm -hmm. and cleaning up of, which is another state highway, Highway 303 Pioneer Parkway is what we call it. But uh, that's a state highway, 303. It makes a good point that... Um, you know, Green Prairie and Arlington share common, a lot of common streets that are very important through both sides of town. Um, I was just talking to, sitting in my commercial real estate class the other day, and there's a guy that does a lot of industrial sales and has for years, and he's in his 70s, and he's in it, and we were talk, kind of talking about the Great Southwest Corridor and how that, you know, off division and all that. Mm -hmm. So it all connects with each other, which is why you have to have really good relationships with other city officials you and do. know who they are you do yeah mayor jensen has done so much to expand mm -hmm. that relationship uh not only with arlington but with the mayors of dallas and tarrant county and uh, fort worth um, we are very well respected amongst our fellow cities uh, we have folks that would love to come work in our city because of the culture that tom hart has created not only for the citizens but for the city employees when you've got longevity with city employees, you've got people of the same mindset that the citizens have, you know they're doing the best job possible. And that, that relationship we have amongst our fellow cities allows us to make sure that we're not putting some 
junkyard on the border mm. of Arlington, or Arlington's not doing that to us, or Dallas is not doing that to us. We realize we're all in this together. We're a big region, uh, and we've got to help protect one another and also work well together. Mm -hmm. Green Prairie is, one thing I've noticed, and this has been just a recent development, is I think that when you live in a city, you take for granted what it looks like on the outside to a lot of people. And one thing that I've just, you cannot argue about in all areas of government and all the way that Grand Prairie handles itself, Grand Prairie is very innovative in a lot of ways that a lot of cities are not. And um, I think that that's a huge deal because as an example, I was talking to somebody that was um, um, on the, we were, they were running for um, one of the seats somewhere and they were talking about how they were on the citizens, um, the citizens on patrol. And someone goes, what's the citizens on patrol? And I said, D explain what a citizens on patrol is. And I said, you know, we, we have these cars that a citizen gets to keep and it looks just like a police, you know, car and they volunteer and they drive around and they assist the police with, you know, if there's traffic stops or whatever. And people from other cities go, really? And I'm like, I forget that in other, other cities don't have things like that. No, we have so many volunteers, yeah. not only in our police department, but in our parks department, uh, our animal shelter. Mm -hmm. Folks love to step up and volunteer, and we're so blessed to have mm -hmm. so many willing to give their time to, and effort to do so. But we have people that are that are taking opportunities to make those things exist. And like, you know, Rick Harold is a great example. And Tom, him and Tom, so Rick Harold was the, the past director of the Parks and Recreation Department. He's retired. And um, he now, evidently, I saw, um, is going to be honored in the city and remembered. And um, he's still alive. But yes. um, so he, him and Tom Hart um, have a longtime relationship. Tom Hart, he talked about, Rick talked about this in his episode where he said, well, we came from another place. We came from the colony where we, you know, back in the 70s, they had nothing. And we, the way that we handled you know, we need a public pool. We went and asked citizens if we could just use their backyard. Can we come and do swimming lessons? And I was like, what made you think like that? And he goes, I don't know. We just saw a problem and we wanted to solve it. But that is the innovation, the, the ability to think outside the box, the ability to allow ideas to flourish is something that I feel like Grand Prairie does really, really well. And that includes the district, that includes city government. And um, and it really helps us thrive and, and think about ways of doing things differently um, that I think other cities just, I, I don't know why more don't emulate it. Well, they may not have had to emulate it. Maybe they were blessed with uh, individuals wanting to either invest or develop their town. And they, uh, they were able to get those projects off the ground. You had, you know, very active mayors in Arlington. Mm -hmm. Tom, Tom Vandergriff was instrumental in bringing things like the General Motors plant, Six Flags Mall, Six Flags Over Texas, and some of those things really kicked off Arlington's growth, their development, mm -hmm. their explosion. Um, I'm sure the same thing types of things occurred in Plano and in Frisco. Mm -hmm. uh, at one time, Frisco was just a little farming town, mm -hmm. and now you look at it and it's just amazing. But yes, we've had to be innovative. I, I think I may have said this earlier, at times we've had to somewhat prime our own pump, look at legal ways to think outside the box, particularly financing mm -hmm, and budgeting. Mm -hmm. And when we do touch some of those types of projects, make sure that we can figure out a way that the project itself will be either self-sustaining mm -hmm. or 
generate enough revenue in terms of sales and use tax or a property tax that it will pay any debt that it initially created pay itself back. So we, I think we've been very innovative in mm -hmm. some of those things. And so innovative that Tom Hart is teaching some classes at UTA in their master's program for public administration oh, um, great. degrees. Uh, and I think he's highly sought after to speak mm -hmm. to other cities and yep. other counties and, and their city employees and county employees in terms of government management and municipal management. Yes, for sure. And speaking on that, like one of the things that, that um, we, we had been talking about, you and I have talked about this for a while, and then, you know, you being in tune with the social media aspect of things, you're on some groups that were, we share. And one day I look on Facebook and I said, uh, you said, because I've seen this person, this person, this person talking about and this, me and Debbie Johnson and, and Charles, Charles Lucker, Lucker. Um, you go, I've decided to, we need to have a government 101. That, we do. And so basically you started something called government 101. Tell people what that is. Okay. Well, it, I, it was an idea. I know I can't be the original on it. <laughs> I'm sure other towns and cities have done it. Maybe even our own staff have thought about something that I thought it might be needed, but you're right. Social media. A lot of questions, well, why did the city let this apartment get built here? Well, if you have time, let me tell you, um, because it was already zoned for multifamily mm. apartments, and if we tried to stop them, they'd take the city to court, and they would win. I guarantee you they would win. It's hard to get into those type of discussions on social media because it tends to be a, a back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's not an immediate response because I may get busy with a client, and I may not see your question back to me for several hours. So I told Steve Dye, I said, you know, we get all these questions. How does the city pay for something? Why do mm. they, what do they do with my property taxes? How come this building gets built here? Why don't we have, what's the famous question? Why don't we have an HEB? An HEB, oh my, <laughs> oh gosh. my gosh. If I had to, that's probably the question. The, I'm sure the mayor is tired <laughs> of getting that question. God bless everybody. We'd love to have them. We'd do anything we can to attract them there and if they're you know anyway that's the, short. that's the ironic part about that is i'm like y'all don't even realize that our mayor would do it we would do it for yes. you anyway i told steve i said you know i really i'm not the technical guy of computers but it'd be really nice if we had a link on our city website that was just like a municipal government 101 just a frequently asked questions topics we could put the answers on click on the question and there's your answer and we can rotate it, we can update it. You know, people have additional questions, we can add to it. And Steve looked me in the eye and he said, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> now he may have just been placating me, they may have been thinking about doing this for, for years, uh, but he said, that's a great idea. Well, lo and behold, about two weeks, you know, a week or two later, he said, hey, we can make that happen. So I offhandedly made an announcement on Facebook and said, you know, I think we can do this. Well, not can we do it, they did it, and it, they did it very quickly. Yes. Our staff, I figured it'd be a month. We'd get back and forth. We'd fine-tune it. Mm -hmm. They'd ask me what questions I want on there. Staff had it done, I think, in approximately two weeks. Of uh -huh. me ask, two to three weeks of me asking for it. It's up. It's running. It's live. Go check my Facebook page or just go to the city website, and under city government, you'll find it. Uh, under city council, so you'll find the tab to get there. It has a lot of those same questions people ask on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere else. So 
Not that we won't be glad to answer your question while right. we're standing in the aisle at the grocery store right. grabbing milk because that's <laughs> one thing. My wife does not. My wife Kelly does not like to go to the grocery store with me. I can go in for a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk, and I'm there in an hour and a half. You and Steve Pryor. So Steve Pryor because was. We yes, love, we love to talk. To yes, people. yes. Y'all told the exact same story. Yeah. I mean, the milk down to the yeah. milk and everything. Yeah. And he goes, Kathy hates it when I go look yeah. at milk because. And so yeah, and that's great. And you guys love to. I'm the same way. Yeah. And there. And my parents are like, like if I'm supposed to be coming back, they're like, where have you been? <laughs> like, did you go to Oklahoma to the yeah. store? And I'm like, I oh, ran into so-and-so. Uh, but that's the beauty so of that's, it. So that's why the Government 101, I thought, is it a good idea? I think it would be. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it would be good. And I guess city staff thought it would be too. And I hope the citizens do. I hope they get a chance mm-hmm. to check it out. Uh, I've been trying to let people know it's available for them. And if there's a question you have on there that's not on there, We'll try to get it answered for you and put it on there. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love at some point for like just, I, I know we have student council and stuff for students, but I would love for students to start really learning about civics again yes. and local civics and even, you know, citizens too. And that's, this is all civics. That's what this is. The time, you know, that's what this is. And, um, you know, getting, getting people back into being interested about it. Well, that's what my college degree is in political science. With really? A, with a focus on public law. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas Tech had a great political science program that was basically what they would refer to as their pre-law program mm. uh, because Tech's got a great law school. Uh, by the time I got out of school, I was so burnt out of college and needed to pay the college debt off and things of that nature and I needed to get a job. Anyway, long story short, I had some great government and social studies and civics teachers in school that got me interested in it. Uh, my dad's own involvement in the mm-hmm. local community, having served on the city council. My dad was never elected to city council, but he served two different times. And way back then, if a member resigned to run against the sitting mayor or resigned to run for another seat, maybe a different position somewhere else, the city council would appoint a member instead of holding a special election mm-hmm. uh, to fill the unexpired term. And he always told them, if you need help, I'll be glad to serve, but I'm not running. So tell people when, <laughs> when that term is up, they better get their campaign going because I'm not the one running. He so, sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> that is so so um, it was just the ability to, to serve and to get back yeah yeah well where can people find you if they wanted to get a hold of you or learn more about you oh as a city councilman first and foremost uh, go to the city website of course we all have a, an email that goes to our city email you can email me there you can call the city and they can get you in touch with me they can get me your phone number and I'll call you back I like I said I have an office open on a very busy street mm-hmm. carrier South Carrier Parkway I'm here Monday through Friday 830 to 530 or go to the grocery store. I might run into you there. Um, hey, you're about to have a big grocery store right across the street, well, right? Oh, we're so excited about that. Is that right you know, across the street right next to Dee Dee's? Right across the street. Okay. They're moving into the space next to Dee Dee's. Where the Fallows used to be. Really, yes, will, which will really help revitalize that shopping center. Yeah. You know, uh, Rodney Debon is building the Gibson Apartments. He's got the new strip, uh, very nice office building, mm-hmm. which is a great improvement compared to what used to be there. He yeah. bought that and knocked it down and built a brand new building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a lot of good revitalization yeah. going on right now. Yeah, it's very cool. I, when I saw that, everybody was, oh my gosh, everybody was so excited. 
Because that, yeah. that is the topic du jour, well, the grocery store. And you know, that's one thing. We're focusing on some of these pockets of land that are still left, maybe trying to preserve those and talk to the owners. Mm -hmm. We can't force them, but talk to them about preserving it for some either nice pocketed neighborhoods that mm -hmm. have uh, private gated communities, uh, maybe a little bit higher end homes. Also, that would bring some additional retail, particularly grocery stores and things of that mm -hmm. nature up on the north side of town, because we know they want it, we know they need uh -huh. it, and we are desperately trying to convince those property owners and developers to give that a second look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that it's that's a whole nother, um, whole nother topic and a whole nother um, uh, way of, the, those conversations are a whole nother bear to talk about develop, bringing in people to do all that. Right. So it's not as easy as people think, but we can at least know that y'all are trying. We're trying. Oh, and doing the best that y'all can. So, well, thanks for talking to me, Greg. Well, thank you for having me. Like <laughs> I said, I, I used I still listen. I listen to your podcast. I thought, well, I guess maybe she's not going to get around. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed them. I enjoyed listening to your podcast. You know, that's the thing I do when I, uh, I'm a talk. I like talk. Me too. And my wife makes fun of me. My friends make fun of me. When I'm working in the yard, I don't typically listen to music. I've got it on one of the podcasts like Hidden Brain or Freakonomics Radio. <laughs> me too. Or some of those other NPR type of... Yes. And I was walking at the summit one day, getting my miles in. Not the summit, but the epic, walking and getting my miles in. And my friend Jeff Kaplan, he came up to me because he had just finished his walk. He said, what are you listening to? And I, I said marketplace and it's which is a it's a daily show about how, how the market did today uh -huh. oil and gas stock market all that stuff he said you're such a nerd oh because that's totally not what jeff copeland would be no, he, was probably, he was probably listening to 80s Vance. rock or yeah, something so, something really good which i like too but it helps me get into that mindset you know and i always try to help educate myself yeah oh yeah i'm the same exact way if it's not that's an audio book um, I mean, I, that's, I'm weird like that. My daughter, she gets in the car, we go to school, she goes, can we please listen to something that's music? music. <laughs> so, but, well, thanks again. Thanks I appreciate it. Uh -huh. And thank you for what you're doing for our community with these podcasts and also your involvement in the city. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. We need more people like you. Oh, thank you. Thank you.